Heavenly Father, we ask today that through your word, through this message, you would give us the deep soul freedom that we so desperately need. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The word hold is quite strong. It means to grasp, to take it in. But the Jews protest. They say, we've never been slaves to anyone. They're thinking of political freedom. In this country, we might say the same thing. What are you talking about, freedom? We have freedom. Jesus is going to tell us about a deeper, stronger, more pervasive, more important kind of freedom. That until we experience it, we are slaves. Slaves to what, you say? Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, for years of my ministry, that puzzled me. But Jesus has a depth of insight that it took me years to acquire. To understand that my human nature, as Luther says, is turned in on itself. And sin is the natural result and that demonstrates that I'm enslaved to the power of sin. Okay, tell me more, Pastor. Still not quite getting it. What's going on here? You can understand this if you ask yourself the basic human question. What is it that you want most in your life? What would give your life meaning and significance? What would make you a person who has prestige? A person who's in control of their life, who has power, who has friends. What is it that would make your life come alive? What is it that would ultimately answer your question my question, what do you most need? The word in the Bible is righteousness. For my confirmation class, I always told them, just substitute the word right. What makes your life right? And then I told them that 100% of all the sin well, let's rephrase that because it's kind of clever. 100% of all the wrong in the world is the result of me trying to feel right. What? What are you talking about? A basic human need is significance, approval, Love. I'm going to take you to Luke 15 and Jesus' famous parable of the two lost sons. 
Because there's two ways that people do this. Try to make their lives feel worthwhile, significant, right. The younger son gets his share of the inheritance and goes off and spends it like crazy. And we know that he engaged in sinful activity. We know that he spent a lot of money to acquire a group of friends. And later, we're going to hear that he associated with prostitutes. This is the licentious route. This is the 1960s sexual revolution route. I'm free to live however I please. And what pleases me is if I do this or this or this or this, or if I acquire this or this or this or this, then I will have life. My life will feel right. I'll feel significant. My life will be worthwhile. Then there's the older son. Do you know that most Lutherans, when they read this parable, identify with the older son? Because they think he's the hero of the story. But when the father throws this lavish feast for the licentious younger son who returns home, guess what the older son says? It's not fair. All these years I've been slaving for you. And I never even got a goat. And you kill the fatted calf for this son who went off and did horrible things? I've been slaving for you. The older son figures that if he pleases his father, if he does the right stuff, if he keeps the law and the rules that the father owes him. This is the religious route. And it's more common than you think. The religious route is, if I read my Bible, say my prayers, attend worship, throw a reasonable amount in the offering plate, God will be pleased. God will approve of me. All of us are slaves to our need to feel worthwhile and significant, to feel loved and approved, to feel God's grace and forgiveness. But Jesus goes on to say, but if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, the first book that we studied in Bible study here was the book of Galatians. And I'm going to give you some statistics, which are kind of interesting. As I mentioned earlier, the book of Galatians is all, often called the book of freedom. Eight times in this short book, the word justified appears, which translated loosely is to be made right. Four times the word righteousness appears. So you have the verb form, and now you have the noun form, which means to be right. Do you understand what Paul's getting at? 
In chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, We know that a man is, or a woman is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus took your place and suffered the death you deserved, trusting in him and his cross, your life is made right. One commentator says that the problem most Christians have is they do not think constantly about their justification. They do not realize that they have been totally accepted, unconditionally loved, undeservedly forgiven. That's what makes your life right. That's what sinks down deep into your being. Now, if you're following the outline, you notice I have Freed from Sin, part two. A seminary professor once said that the problem we have with sanctification, Christian life, is we do not think about our justification enough. A famous Dutch theologian said, The heart of Christian life, the heart of sanctification, is to feed on your justification. A more contemporary pastor said that sanctification is the hard work of going back daily Eh, for me, it's kind of more of an hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute thing, to your justification. You've been freed from the need to justify yourself, and that is a biggish step towards living the Christian life. The only thing that changes your life contrary to what most conservative Christians think, is not really trying hard to obey the rules. The only thing that changes your life is what Christ has done so that you are made righteous, you are justified. Now, let me throw a little bit of Luther in here. Luther said the source of all sin is self-justification. Self-righteousness. Well, that seems to mean that if I'm justified and that's the source of sin, now I can begin to make headway in my life. Uh, Luther, in his small pamphlet, The Freedom of a Christian, said, Christian life is nothing more than becoming what you already are. You're righteous. Christian life is an advance in living in the right way because you're right in Christ. Uh, let me just give you a, a real quick example. 
Say I'm, like most people in this country, worried about inflation and money and my income and the price of gas. And, and boy, I think that's going to destroy my life. Because most people equate their wealth with their worth. What if your worth is not connected to your wealth, but it's connected to Jesus Christ and what he's done? His death and resurrection. Now, write that down, because I want you to remember that during the offering. I want to do real, two real quick implications, and both of these, I think, are significant. Uh, the first one, you're, you're the people. You're in control of this body of Christ, this family of God. Make sure, insist, that whenever your new pastor comes, he focuses on justification by faith alone. That's the power, that's the energy, that's the excitement, that's the thrill of Christianity. That I am perfectly righteous in Christ, that when God looks at me, he sees his son. Do you know how much he loves his son? They've been in a love relationship from eternity and on into eternity. And he looks at you and he loves you that much. That's how right your life is. That's how worthwhile and significant your life is. The God who created this world and everything in it loves you beyond your wildest imagination. So whether you're attending a Bible class, teaching Sunday school, and heaven forbid, preaching a sermon, focus on the power, the energy of Christ and his righteousness. Nobody says it better than Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Number two, and this comes from verse 13 in Galatians 5. You've been set free, but you're not free so that you can indulge in the flesh. Let me make that in modern terms. You're free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your natural human nature that is turned in on itself. But Paul says, rather, love others. Now, I have promised, and I, I'm sure I have violated this, but I promise that in the worship service, I'm never going to get political. But there's something in this country that really bothers me. 
where people think that freedom means I can do whatever I want, no matter how it affects the people around me. That my freedom means I can do this and I can do that, even if it hurts people. Notice what Paul is saying. Don't let your freedom lead you to indulge your natural, sinful, human nature. But in love, serve other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we experience today and every day the tremendous power, the tremendous energy of being perfectly righteous in Christ. No longer do we have to accomplish this or acquire that for our lives to be worthwhile, but we have eternal worth, everlasting significance through faith in Jesus Christ. Send your spirit to warm our hearts, to transform our lives with that message. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.